Leicester to cut it back again. And Rashford has got the dream goal that he was looking for in his debut. And one he will never, ever forget. Written in the stars. He couldn't have even dreamt that last night. Penalty! It's a penalty to Manchester United! VAR! Kintembe's handball! Oh my word! The Paris Saint-Germain players can't believe it. Look at them! The crowd around us are stunned. And Marcus Rashford, all he can do is stand there with a the ball under his arm and compose himself. You can't describe the tension inside the Parc de France. What's going through the mind of Marcus Rashford? It comes down to Marcus Rashford against Gianluigi Buffon. How's your bottle? Oh, he smashed it in! What a penalty from Marcus Rashford! Manchester United with another glorious night in the Champions League. Marcus Rashford, the coolest man in the place. Hello and welcome to another Manchester United podcast. I am Helen Evans. I'm David May. Oh, this is nice. Hello, I'm Sam. Oh, we've never done this before. Oh, hello, Sam. This is weird. I like it. I like it. We yeah. do refer to Sam as Simon. You don't need to. If you're not sure, totally go back to episode 42 of the podcast with Gordon Hill. Anyway, how are we? All good. Good week, guys. Not bad. Mm-hmm. All set for Christmas. All set, I think. Yeah. A few little bits to get, but yeah, more or less there. Tree. I need to get my tree. What? <laughs> I need to get my tree. I've not got a tree yet. I'm getting it tomorrow. Okay, I'm going, I'm going tree hunting tomorrow. Why is it taking you this long to get a tree? Hunting? Yeah, I'm going tree hunting, yes. <laughs> Put your camo gear on. We had this conversation a week ago when you field. said you were going to get your tree. I know I did, I know, but we never did. So Clearly. So, definitely going tomorrow. Right. 100%. Okay. Excellent. This, this time next week, I will have a tree. Well, nice to be in the festive spirit. Nice, nice to, to be at the Aeon Training Complex. Absolutely. I think the last time I was here was probably about 10 months ago. What about you, Maisie? We was there doing the... Diogo Dallo. Diogo Dallo, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just as I Bruno. that one. Just after Bruno yeah, signed. Yeah, because he, right. po- he poked, his, poked head his head in the door, the door, didn't he? He did. He well, did. it's nice to be reunited back here. Yeah. Yes. We're in the same room, actually, that we did the Diogo podcast in. Yes. Looking out at the academy building, mm-hmm. which is all lit up because it's now dark. Majestic. Yeah. There's it a big... Uh, there's, there's, I'm right. I'm, I think there are portraits on the walls of mm-hmm. players that came through the academy and made it to inspire, I suppose, those that are there now. And um, there's some proper iconic footballers that are, that are up on the walls. There's also um, a player that we'd love to get on the podcast, but we've got no, we just can't get hold of him. Uh, there's one of Johnny Evans came from the academy. If there is anybody out there with a contact for Johnny, yeah. please get in touch with, uh, with maybe, us. Maybe he listens. Yeah, maybe he listens. Yeah. Johnny, listen. Do you know when you're travelling away, just give us a bell, will you? Yeah. Telephone mm. numbers 0161 Looking at that building, mm. Sam. Yeah. <laughs> not just Johnny's come through that building. That's Marcus right. Rashford, MBE. Dr. Yeah. Marcus, actually. Absolutely incredible. And, and how quickly that happened, because he was oh so young. Word. And then he just did it. He's one of those people who just... There are lots of people that there's hype about and people that make their debuts and you see a little bit here and you see a little bit there. And there's lots of players that that follow that path. But Marcus Rashford just did it, scored on his debut, scored on every debut he seemed to ever have after that point. Europa League, League Cup, England, Champions League, everything. He just did it. Manchester Derby, first match against Liverpool, just did it. And now he's our number 10 and he's just still doing it. That's our introduction. Hold on, Sam. Yeah, what he has done in the last year... Is absolutely unbelievable. Like, where does he get the time for a start? 
Meg's time. Meg's time. Do you know Meg's what? Time. That is such a good answer. Meg's time. Who on earth can change the minds of, of the politicians government? of the government twice? Yeah, he just... Incredible. He's, a, he's so impressive. And it's only going to get better for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's only going to get better for the kids of Manchester and the kids up and down the country. Mm-hmm. And there will be people, I think, that are cynical that will point to the... Um, people in the spotlight can take advantage of being in the spotlight by turning up to, say, charity events because their pitch will be taken and it helps build their profile and so on. But all of this is just because he cares about it. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing. Amazing. Superstar. Well, shall we get into all that? We are awaiting Marcus. Looking forward to asking him all of these questions. Is anybody going to refer to him as doctor every time? I don't think he'd like that. No. No. Just go with Marcus. Yeah. I think he'd be okay with that. Yeah, I think so. Here he is, Marcus Rashford. I want to talk to you about cereal. About what? Cereal. Cereal? Yeah. Why? Because I know, because I was doing my research, that you at least used to eat a lot of cereal. Yeah. And I basically just lived on cereal. What cereal were you eating? Yeah. Everything. Cheerios. Do you mix? No. Right, so, I, so I, I always start with like a couple of Weetabix and yeah. then pour something else on top. Johnny the other day poured two Weetabix, Weetabix with crunchy nut on top. I was like, yeah, that's great. That's no, it's not. I used to eat Weetabix as a baby, you know. Did you? In a bottle. That's oh, amazing. yeah, I've heard of people doing that. I swear baby sleep. Yeah. yeah. Fill them up, fill their tummies up. When we get Johnny on, that's all I want to talk about. <laughs> that's <laughs> the only thing I'm interested in talking about. Yeah. That's it. Do you ever get him on? 2026. Where you go, Thanks very much. Marcus, welcome to the podcast again. Thank you very much. Because uh, during the first start of this strange year, we did one uh, yeah. over Zoom with Paul Scholes, and that was really fun, but yeah. this is your first proper one with us. Yeah. How's your day been? Uh, it's been it's been all right. Um, late training today, so it's mm-hmm. a bit um, backwards for us, but, you know, it's part of the part of the schedule. So it's it's been, it's probably been ideal. Um, you know, we, we obviously wanted to, to win the, the derby and, Sort of enjoy the days after that, but mm-hmm. we didn't manage to get the win. But it's still important to have that time to just rest and, and reflect. So that's where we're up to now, and just get ready for the next game. Perfect. We don't need to worry about everything that's like the, the football as it's going on because yeah. people will enjoy this because it's a podcast whenever they choose to listen to it. But because you've mentioned it, do you do you reflect a lot on games after you've played them, or do you just try to move on as quickly as you can? I think you have to reflect on it. Um, because in in my mind, that's how you improve and mm-hmm. and become better. But at the same time, it's it's important that if you have had a a bad game, you reflect on it quickly, um, know what you've done wrong, know what you've done well, and then move on to the next one as quickly as possible. Because you don't want to dwell on on what's happened uh, before. Yeah. Do you, do you watch lots of football? Yeah, I do. To be fair, especially in just English football, um, I, I enjoy watching it. Mm-hmm. I, I learn a lot from just watching different different leagues and. You know different levels of football in England, and it's something I've always done from when I was when I was younger. Do you watch centre halves? Yeah, I think it's important for me to to know how centre halves think, and you know I've had good conversations with some top centre halves in in the past, and for me it's it's all about learning and yeah. learning what as as you know players that are one of the best centre halves in the world, what they don't like. That's what I want to. That's what I want to be able to give them in, mm-hmm. in games and. I think me having an understanding of of what they want and don't want is massive for my game. Yeah. So. Do you watch other sports? Mike's miles away. <laughs> miles <laughs> away. Can you do cereal? Can you do cereal? How many of these you done? 
Helen, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Nice to join in. Sorry, Marcus. What I was going to say is, do you watch other sports and have you done that since you were a child or were you solely focused on football? Um, no, I've, I've watched a lot of other sports and just because of personnel, really. I had, you know, people that I looked up to just purely are following their sort of life and their journey to, to get into where they got to. Not because I, I enjoy watching like Michael Jordan, for example. I'm not a big basketball fan, mm-hmm. but I've, I always watched watched him and I'd like to watch his, his games and stuff like that. So um, I did watch other sports, but purely based on the fact that I wanted to learn about the, the individuals. Mm-hmm. Presumably you binged The Last Dance. Yeah, I think, I, I think everyone did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it was a good watch for me just to, because it's, it's, it's similar to us really. Like everybody knows what they see, but you know, behind the scenes is, is where, you know, the, the important things mm-hmm. happens. And I think The Last Dance gave us give the public an opportunity to to see that and yeah that was one of my favorite watches <laughs> great one i loved it just constantly just got and i took that personally from nothing yeah. do you do that do you try and uh, do you create anything in your head to try and get you motivated no not for me i think you know motivation comes from the past and mm-hmm. and the things that you've sort of been through to get where you are today and i've never really needed any you know added motivation i'm I think just playing for the, the club and, and the badge is, is the biggest motivation. Have you always been like that since you were a child? And where do you think that inner drive and motivation comes from? Yeah, like just from a child, um, like my whole family is United fans. And, you know, there's just there's just nothing that if we could if we could pick anything from from back then, this is what we would have picked. The, the life that I live now is, is what we would have picked uh, hands down. So... That's my motivation just every day. Um, mm-hmm. I want to improve and I want to just do the best I can for the for the club. Were you competitive growing up with your brothers? Yeah, um, they're exactly like me. So, um, Where are you in the pecking order? I'm the youngest, but I'm the best at everything. Spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so no, casual. I'm, I'm the youngest one, but because I'm the youngest, I've always had to do better in order to keep up with them. And whether it was just, I used to play football with them when I was like six, seven years old, the, um, my the the middle brother was like five six years older than me, so just all the way through through my childhood, I was I was playing with older kids, and you know I had to I had to learn the hard way basically, and these things build you up to to the person you are today, and I think the things that happened throughout my childhood have have helped me to a T to to get where I am. So tell us about that. We we always start these. We've had a bit of a chat already, but we usually start. We go back right to the beginning. We ask people like, "Where did you grow up? What was your house like? Were you interested in school? Was it always football? Like, what was what's your story?" Yeah, I, I was interested in school. Um, I think like a lot of my my friends, uh, I met through through school, and school was just a massive part of of growing up for me, and I I, I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I wanted to do as well as as well as I could. It got a bit more difficult when I went into high school. Um, but we, we found a way and, you know, United helped me, helped me do that. So I managed to, you know, get through all my GCSEs and do everything the right way at the same time as, as, as you know, working hard with my football and stuff. So it was something that was, I remember when I first went to high school, it was quite difficult, to be honest. Um, sort of mixing between football and, and school. But once I fully moved to, to Ashton, uh, Ashton and Merza, it was the balance was just perfect for me in terms of managing to finish my schoolwork, which they also made sure I knew it, it was important and it needed to get done and what I wanted to do, you know, football wise. What do you think you'd have done if if you hadn't made it in football? I don't know. I was always good with numbers, like maths and stuff like that. I think naturally that's that's what I 
you know, lean towards in school. Um, so I would have definitely done something, you know, to do with that. Maybe like an accountant or something. Maybe you know a lot of footballers think many of them could be accountants. <laughs> Dodgy ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wrong ones to say a few quid, don't we? Yeah. yeah. What was um? What was your like growing up through school? School football. Um, school football was. You must obviously. You, you must have known you was best in uh, school, or always uh, a centre forward, or. No, yeah, I was a centre forward. Um, I just loved to score goals and just enjoy myself and express myself. Um, but when when I got into high school, I think the other schools started complaining. And then I, I couldn't, I weren't allowed to play. What? Um, they complained that you too were too good? Because we was beating all the other schools. Is this primary <laughs> school? Nah, like, well, primary school, I, I played for the, like, year five and sixes was the only team that there was. But I was playing with them when I went into, like... Year four, I think it was, and then um, so I was with them for three years, and that was that was loads of fun. Um, and then when I went to high school, that's I, I played one game, and then the, the school six. got a complaint. <laughs> I, scored, I only scored three, but we won, we oh. won three two. But he was beating us two zero, and then I scored three. Um, but yeah, they and they complained. Yeah, and I can't the remember what the outcome was. What? No, I just couldn't play. <laughs> But I don't, think, I don't think United was happy anyway. Ah, right, that you were right. playing. Yeah, but I already knew that, but I thought I could just do it. Yeah, like, see yeah. It But then, yeah, so I got told off by the school and then by United. <laughs> Did you play lots of football in the street after school and are you still friendly with the people that you were doing that with? Yeah, every day. Um, every day we played football just until it went dark. And, you know, I've spoke before with some interviews like, me and my friends, our parents was in similar situations. Like they was all working, um, you know, till late, and we didn't really have anything, anything else to do. Um, it was either that or just sitting, sit in the house. And you know, as a kid who, who likes being with their friends and playing football, you know, there was no way I was just gonna sit in my house and do nothing. So yeah, we just used to go to the park and just play until until we couldn't see the ball anymore, and then mm -hmm. go back home. Um, and yeah, that like I don't really, I don't bring new people into like my little circle because for me a lot of things built around trust and that's probably the hardest thing for me to let someone in that I don't know. It's difficult for me to do so. I tend not to do that. So the the same people that I was you know chilling with then are, are the same people that I chill with now. Mm -hmm. Were you always like that, or is that because you're now obviously no, Doctor Marcus Rashford MBE? No, I was just just always like that. Um, you know, growing up where where I grew up, there's no other way to be. If you're not like that, then something bad can can happen to you or, or your friends or your family. And I think just growing up, you know, to keep keep your, your circle tight. And that's just how things was supposed to be and how everyone was like in, in my neighborhood. And it was just basically like that and like dotted around. And there'll be five or six people that are, that you always see mm -hmm. together. And then you'll have my five or six and just so on and so on. and that was a way for us to, to keep keep safe, basically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't bother no one and you keep yourself to yourself. And that's why we managed to, to get through what we got through um, in our childhood. Played a lot of football. Did you also play a lot of Monopoly? Mm, not really. I wasn't into board games until until I moved, like, accommodation, until I mm -hmm. went to Diggs. And I was spending, like, less time on the streets and more time in in the house. That's when I started. And I never even used to play, like, PlayStation or anything. When I was back home, it was just out on the streets playing football all day. And then until I moved accommodation, that's when we started like playing PlayStation and, and board games and stuff like that. 
but yeah, it was because it's not too far from like where I grew up, and it was just crazy, like the the difference in the communities. Like I didn't understand it for like a year, like, but then once you understand it, and you know, you, when you moved into Dicks, yeah, yeah, you start to understand that what life was like for you isn't the same for for everyone. Whereas in my mind, when I was a kid, this was what life was like for for everyone, and um, yeah, it, it sort of it widened widened my understanding. And it also made me see where where I can get to and like where I wanted my family to be and, and stuff like that. So it was a it was a good period for me. Who did you live in digs with? Um a few different players actually. We had four players when I went there. It was Tom Lawrence, James Ware, George Dorrington, which was a goalkeeper, and then Angel came and then there was probably a few others that was like in and out as well, because it was quite a big house and you know the the digs lady Maria, she she always she she took a lot of pride of taking care of of um you know the young players and sort of protecting us and teaching us what's what's right and wrong and was it difficult leaving home? Yeah, it was difficult. Like I I didn't want to go. It was my brothers that that spoke to me and said like it's an opportunity and they made me understand it because yeah. like I didn't want to leave my friends. I didn't want to leave my family. But at the same time, I had a desire in me to to play for United and I knew that it was the next step that I would have had to take. But it usually happens like a year or so later. Yeah. So I thought I'd have a bit more time. But yeah, I was only 11 when I moved. So it was a little bit earlier than a lot of the other the other kids that was there. But yeah, once once my brother spoke to me, they didn't, I wouldn't say they pushed me towards it because they, they know the type of person I am and they always allow me to, to sort of make my own decisions. Um, but he, he just told me what I'm going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and in my mind, it was it was too much of an opportunity to, to turn down. Eleven is so young. Oh my goodness! Yeah, eleven is yeah. <clears throat> Were you able to go and see your family at the weekends? Though, because it's only not that yeah, far away. Yeah. Um, so we play games on Saturdays, either at Carrington or away from, away from the training ground. And then you'd have the rest of Saturday and Sunday, and then you come back for school on the Sunday night to get ready for Monday. And once you get into the routine, it was fine. Mm -hmm. Like it was. At the beginning, it was tough, but when, like I said, once you get into routine, and then like you, your friends know that you're coming back on on the Saturday after Squeeze the game. Squeeze a kick and, about in on Sunday afternoon. Um, <laughs> you weren't were you not allowed to do that, were you? Nah, like it was, it was almost like the end to a good like if we won the game, I knew it was just going to be a good a good weekend, and you know we'd go we'd just play more football and do things like youth clubs, youth centres, and it was just it was just fun for us. Um, Sometimes if I'd, if I'd lose the game, they did know that I wouldn't want to go out um, and then we just go go in my house and that's when we'd play PlayStation and stuff like that. Um, but usually we'd be we'd just be outside doing what we used to do when we were kids. Uh, just quickly, because if you people can watch this, if you're watching this on MUTV, you can see the setup we're in. But if you're listening, we are at the Aon Training Complex and Marcus is sat between two screens <laughs> next to two open windows. Are you still warm enough? Yeah, I'm all right. It's good to have Yeah, it's a different time, isn't it? <laughs> it's 2020 interviews. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, how much of all those early experiences have shaped all the things that you've achieved this year? Because from last Christmas and the, the box donations that you were doing to where we are now, it's been unbelievable, the, the things that you've achieved. Do you think that was all, all built in you from those early experiences? Um, yeah, I'd say so. Um, you know, I've had a, I've always had a desire to, to help people that are less fortunate. And I remember like when, when I was really young, when we used to train at uh, the cliff, um, in Salford 
I used to have to catch buses uh, buses in and out of, of town and just the amount of homeless people that, that we used to see, uh, me and my mum. And we never spoke about it, but it was always something in my mind. Like I just thought if I ever got into a position to help these people, then I would never I would never not help them. So it was just things like that, that I'd seen growing up. Um that I know I know this is the one that people speak about this what I've done this year. Mm-hmm. But there's these things that I do every every year and um even just sometimes I just I used to just go into town and just speak to them because a lot of them they just want someone to someone to speak to um and they just want someone to listen basically and that's what people don't understand sometimes so it's a difficult area to to try and help homelessness because it's it's so much uh, detail amongst it and um once you understand that and you respect that they don't just want help they want to they, they want someone to to listen to them and just let them have a have a voice and have an opinion and um, I think as people we have to respect that and so yeah every year we we try and do that and my mum my mum does a lot around that as well um, and then my, my the rest of my family and my friends do help my mum with that so I know this is the one that a lot of people speak about but there's so many other things that that we do that we would do anyway even if even if we were in in this position we would always try and find a way to to help them so yeah I think growing up that's just what in my mind that's what's right and I definitely think my my my, my upbringing, mm-hmm. you know, made me that way. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Do you ever find it difficult? You know, majority of people are praising you and rightly so for the work that you and your family indeed are doing. Do you ever find it difficult though that some people think you're a footballer, you've got money? Is that quite a difficult position to be in sometimes? For me, no. It's just a. I think people don't understand like footballers are still humans and everyone's had different journeys to get to where they got to but I I just respect each journey and it's different for for different people and I just think sometimes some of the you know the public they don't understand that and I don't blame them because they're not living it and they've not been through it but yeah I don't take much much notice of it if Mm -hmm. I'm if I'm honest with you um I'm not really I don't see it I'm not on uh, Instagram or or uh, Twitter or anything like that I just I just have them as channels to show people and, and spread the right messages um and if it wasn't if I if I wasn't doing that then I probably wouldn't I wouldn't have it anyway mm-hmm. let's go back to a little bit of the football I know we're going tangents and stuff mm-hmm. major debut Midgieland yeah what was that like that was probably the the best night of my life um do you know when do you know when we was walking out like I seen so many people that I knew in the crowd it was it was like the the weirdest experience ever like and um just people that like my that was friends with my brothers or I have quite a big family so they know a lot of a yeah. lot of people and I just seen so many faces that I recognized um and yeah I just I just sort of lost myself on on the pitch that day and United always say you know when you're growing up express yourself on the pitch and they're the ones that taught me that and I think that's why we have so many youngsters come through because without knowing it, they're ready to to play. And, um, you know, that's credit to the, the United and the system. When did you know you were going to play? Like five minutes before. Because Anthony was, Anthony was oh, warming up. Of course up he was, yeah. And then he got injured, but I didn't know he got injured because, like, the starters warm up over there and we, yeah, yeah, we warm up yeah. over there. So I didn't actually see him go down the tunnel. And then um, it might have been Albert. He just threw me a bib. 
and then I just started warming Stop. up like the final bit of the possession and then we was inside and um, that was it we were just walking out in the, uh, out the tunnel and everything happened so did quick did you have time to think about it nah, no no it was literally nervous? about no I wasn't nervous I was I was nervous um, I was on the bench against Watford away and this was before Christmas but I had a bit of an I was playing with an injury that year and when I was on the bench that day, I remember speaking to my brother the the day before when we was traveling, and I was like, I don't feel ready to play. Like I was like mentally, I wasn't in the the right place to to play because you was injured. Yeah, just, just because I knew that I was carrying something, right. and and then it's the the whole thing. Like it's your debut, you want to yeah. you want to do well, and um, you don't want to let anyone down. And these things were going through my mind, and I knew I knew straight away. Like the only person I can speak to now is my is my brother or my mum. Because they're the only people that can like sort of settle me down. Yeah. Um, but I think somehow Van Gaal picked up on it, and someone got injured at the beginning of the game, and he never brought me on. But like in my eyes, that was a sort of a blessing in disguise because I knew that I wasn't I wasn't ready to to yeah. play with the first team. Um, I was on my way to being ready. Um, I was training with them a few times, but in terms of being ready to play with them, I didn't I didn't feel like I belonged there yet. But then the difference between then and, and that game when I played was a million miles apart. Um, and yeah. like mentally, I felt like I, I I belonged there, and I wanted to show people that I belonged there. And that was just my mindset going into the game. And Do you get nervous went, now? No, like I feel like now it's it's there's no there's no pressures. There is pressures of playing for Man United, but. If you can't cope with them, you'd never be near the club. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a reason why the players that I hear play for this club, and I just have belief in in the players and and the staff that when we when we play well, there's not many teams that beat us, and we just need to we we have to find consistency in order to to do the things that we can that we can achieve. That's the most frustrating thing about it. Mm. Um, you know, when we slip up and and lose games or draw games. Why do you think that is? There's there can be a hundred different excuses and reasons but for me it's it's just about ignoring all that and f and just looking after each other on, mm -hmm. on the pitch um you know i think as you know as a forward you look after the the other forwards the midfielders yeah. look after the midfielders defenders do the same and then once you get that you end up a team that are just looking after each other and if someone's out of position someone's filling in uh, if someone goes forward someone's covering and things like that you know the game in in the champions league the, not the one where we got knocked out the the one away from home mm -hmm. um, when we lost there's someone um, on the halfway line just stood there on his own yeah. and just small things like that you know it, it adds up and I understand things can go wrong on the pitch and it's just about reactions and you know nine times out of ten we show that spirit and, and character in the team that we can react to, to bad results or mm -hmm. bad performances by winning games and winning games well so I know it's in us as a team and that's what makes it that little bit more frustrating because I know, I believe that we can we can do it. You say you don't get nervous. PSG last year taking that penalty. No, I was I, I was ready I was ready to yeah. to do it. Um like I, I felt even after the long wait. Yeah, just I think on the video you can just see me just stood there and I, like did you know where you were going to hit it? No. Before? No. No, no. Um I was just waiting really. He's, he's a good keeper yeah. and he, he stood tall for long so I knew I was going to go high, high but whichever way I didn't I didn't know until until I was about to strike the ball but um, that was your first penalty wasn't it like competitive yeah 
But I used yeah, to, I, I took penalties like yeah. Yeah. a bit different though, isn't it? Yeah, it is different, but you know, when it's you, the same mentality. Yeah, when yeah. you think about it, it's the same thing. Whether yeah. you take it with 80,000 people there or, or no one there, a penalty is a penalty yeah. and it's you against the, the goalkeeper. Yeah. And, you know, you have to find a way to block everything else out and, and that's just what I did. I didn't feel nervous or, or pressured. It's it's more confidence because, you know, the, if the manager puts you on penalties, there's a reason why he, yeah. why he does that and, you know, he trusts you and, and believes in you. And it's the same for your teammates as well. When, when do you decide then to pick the spot? Where I'm going to shoot? Yeah. Just before I shoot. <laughs> like, like, in the run-up? In the run-up? In the... No, like, literally just before I shoot, I look at the look at the keeper and and then... Because Bruno seems to watch the keeper, watch the keeper, watch the keeper. Yeah. And then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But his, just... his one's a bit different to mine. Yeah. He gives himself more time by the, the oh. little jump that he does. <laughs> do you not fancy do, doing that? Do, no. Do you know, we, that? Played, uh, <laughs> we played Chelsea on the first day of last season yeah. and you had a penalty I was in the director's box next to Joel Pereira and I said to him where's he going to go and he said straight away top left and that's where yeah. I went because uh, Joel knows me from academy of course um, yeah. so there's there's more things that that's why I always I love taking penalties against Joel because he's out yeah. of anyone I'm ever going to face he knows me the, the best him and Dino you know they know me the best in terms of like shooting and finishing drills and stuff like that. So I always like practicing against them because if I can score against them, I know I can. Yeah. There's that clip of you running to Dean after you scored your goals against Midland. Yeah. That everybody's seeing now because they recognise his face because yeah. he's at the club. How special was that for you? And how special is it for you that he's back here? Yeah, it's 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 a nice feeling to to have him back. Um, he's someone who's like an an ambitious guy and he always strives to be the, the best he can be and you know you can see in his face on them clips like he's just so proud and that's the same feeling I get now that he's he's back here and I just want I just want him to do well I think he's he's worked hard um he's he's done things the hard way throughout his career and he deserves to to um to you know reap the rewards of of his hard work and you know he's a good guy good keeper but you know David's a great keeper um so but it, it'll push you know to yeah to make him better and that'll be a big thing for him because you know what what better person to learn from than one of the best keepers in the world so I think in a, in the position that he's in he's, he's, he's got a good good future ahead What was that bond like for you guys coming through the academy because there was a, a few of you you know you've come through the ranks yeah. together you mentioned Joel and Dean what was that like coming through with those guys and obviously you still talk to them and play with some of them now Yeah the, the bond's you know, kind of unbreakable. Um, it goes beyond just football, and you know, think like we spoke about the school before. We're all going to a new school, and we don't know anyone there, so we're literally it's just us new going boys. into yeah, basically. Yeah. And um, that's how we just we become. It's it's more like a you know I see them as as family, and I think it's 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 something that we have to use in our advantage because we're so tight and we're mm -hmm. so we're so close on the pitch. I know that I can rely on him and he can rely on me. And I think the more bonsai that we have on the pitch, the, the better it is. I mentioned Monopoly earlier, which may have appeared really random, but you travel to away games with your PlayStation, right? And I'm sure I saw you say in an interview somewhere that that's one of the games that you play. No, I only just played it in lockdown. Oh, right, where, okay. Well, I don't bring my PlayStation no more. Right. Um, I used to, but I just use too much messing about now, so... But yeah, Joe in lockdown, mm -hmm. there was a few. We just wa we wanted to try something something new, and it might have been Jade and Sancho. 
I was just on there playing Monopoly. So everyone just downloaded it and we started playing. Um, Buy the oranges, get the oranges, you win. <laughs> It's true. Is that the same tactic? Yeah. yeah, get the oranges, you win. It's obvious. <laughs> Just talking about the academy, Marcus, was there any coaches at that time? I know you've had many coming through here, but any coaches that really you made a bond with as well as the players that really stand out in your mind? Yeah, um, there's quite a few. There's, um, you know, I'm going back to the very beginning there, but Eamon Mulver, um, Tony Whelan, Dave Bushell. Like, without without them guys, I would, I would never have managed to get through it. It was just impossible. Like there was a few times when I'd miss training because my mum had work late and my brothers was working. Um, my sisters both had babies and there was just no way of me getting there. Um, and I remember missing training a few times and I just used to sit at home crying. And um, when my mum would, I used to always stop before she'd come home because she used to come home at the same time. But one time she'd come home early and she caught me crying in the in the front room. And yeah, that's when I just told her and she was the one that said to United, like, we're going to need like some form of, of help or um, in order for me to, to get there. And they're the, they're the people that, that you know, they, they got drivers for me and they made it possible that I can just get to training. And as a kid, that's all that I wanted. Um, so without them, I wouldn't have, mm-hmm. you know, this was at like eight, nine years old. So I wouldn't have even mm-hmm. got to this situation like moving into digs mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been there. I would have been doing something else. And then as you get older, you have Paul and Joycey. Yeah. yeah. You know, very disciplined training. Did you enjoy those those days with those yeah. managers too? Um, when, I, when I first, I, I first went, trained with Paul when I was 14 or 15. And like my first session, I hated it. I just didn't understand it. Like, why why are we running so much? Why are we doing this? Why are we not? Because all the way through the academy, they want you to express yourself, show yeah. your skills and, and improve your skills. So my mind was always on that. So I was, I was excited to go and play with the 18s. And then I had my first session and it was just run there, do this, do that. And like my first few months there, I just didn't, I was trying to understand it and I just couldn't understand it. And then I remember one day Paul just sat me down and we had a conversation and I understood him. And then from then, I just, I I loved playing under him and and training under him. And me and Joyce had less time together, but it was the same Mm -hmm. thing. Um, I enjoyed playing the games with him, but I didn't want to lose the details that I was getting with training with the under 18s by training with Joyce, because training with Joyce is different. He's training you to be ready to win the next game. Whereas with Paul, he's he's training you every day to improve your individual ability and and make you the best player that you possibly can be. Mm-hmm. So that's why that's why it, it seems like I jumped straight from the 18s to the to the first team. But it was a decision that I had to make based on the fact that I, I didn't have much time playing up front. I had about six months before I was meant to go with the reserve team. So I was very much a unfinished um, sort of article. And it's it's something that I wasn't happy with doing that. So I remember just speaking to Paul, like I, I need to f- do the two years with review and keep training with you. And then that's when it happened really. I just, mm-hmm. it seemed like I just jumped from there straight mm-hmm. over there. Um, and that that's where I learned a lot, like as a as a forward player on number nine. I used to play like number 10 and I used to always go deep and just get on the ball and, and make things happen. But I always loved scoring goals, but when the ball wasn't coming, I used to just go and get the ball and it was Paul and Colin Little that sort of got that out of me and they made me a more disciplined player, which without me staying with them in that period, if yeah. I would have just went to the reserves, I would have still done that. Yeah. You wouldn't see the player that I am now because I would have been a completely different player. Mm-hmm. 
but I had this desire to just score goals and Colin like made that desire bigger and bigger and I just enjoyed learning and, and training with them that much. I thought it was better for me to, to stay with the 18s than it was for me to, to go with the 21s permanently and it's a tough decision to make. Like at the time I remember Axel and, and Roshan, they was going through similar things and you know they, they was more ready to, to make that step than me. And like Roshan, he's he's like my best friend in 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 life really and like we've we've been together from Sunday league days when we was like five years old. And um obviously he's making that step up. It makes me think like, oh, it must be right for me to just go yeah. up as well. And these are the things that I'm I'm thinking about um when I had to make the decision. But I just thought it was better if I, if I stayed with them and it would make me a, a better player. When you were younger and you were walking around here during those times, did you ever get starstruck or anything by anyone in the first team? I just, I, I just wanted to learn as much as I could. I used to stand on the balcony and I don't think anyone knew I was there, but I just used to just watch and, and just listen. And um, that was sort of, I could, that way I could learn, I could take out of it what I wanted to. And um I think as a kid, I was I was quite like I've, we spoke about what my community was like, but I was I brought that with me to to Carrington. Like I was a I was quite a shy person, um, and I'd keep myself to myself. And you know that was just one of them things. I used to just watch and and listen as whenever I could. And then yeah, it was it was a little bit um, like strange seeing some of my idols like just around the building and, and stuff like that. But I enjoyed every every minute of it and. Um, I was never one to like ask them questions and stuff, but I just, whenever they was doing gym or, or just speaking to each other, I'd just always be, be listening. And, you know, the, the, the fact of how professional they were was just, that's, mm. that's what was unbelievable. Cause these guys had, had everything, you know, they had, they had um, all the things that as a kid, you don't know comes with being a footballer, like the lifestyle and, and the money, the fame, whatever it may be, they've got that. And I'm just seeing them in, in the, doing what they do professionally. And it's just an unbelievable position to be in as a kid. And Was anyone growing up you used to look, look up to? Or you th yeah. you know, model your game on? Or? Not model my game on because I, f I feel like I'm... You are who you are. Yeah, like I'm, yeah. I'm quite unique in terms of me as a centre forward. I'm, I'm a different type of centre forward to to what's deemed as, as a number nine. Um, mm -hmm. And it's... It, it it put me in a position where like I can't really model my game off off someone. So yeah. I just would it be anybody match of the day where you'd look and think, yeah, oh, there was players that like I I just love like Rooney and Thierry Henry, Cristiano, Giggs, Scholes, and like if you if if you ask the coaches like they'll tell you when I was growing up, there's there'll be some seasons where you'll see me playing centre midfield and people like when I first went to England, Victory Shield. I went as a midfield player. I was never a forward player because at that time I just loved skulls and he was always <laughs> making passes. So honestly, so uh, I went through different phases like throughout my upbringing that the coaches have all seen. Yeah. So when I finally got to Colin and Paul, they just said to me, listen, they know that I love to score goals. So let's get the best I can at, at, at doing that. And then I just went with it like, and yeah, that's, that's how it happened basically. But there's loads of different players that I, mm. that I enjoyed watching and, yeah, I just I just love watching just the best players, and it's um for me it's just all about learning and and putting yourself in the best situation to to be the best that you can be. It's not about competing with with other people, and you know someone's playing there, so you have to be at that level. Yeah. It's about what's what's best for you, and 
yeah, that's just how I've always, always been. What were birthday and Christmas presents? Were they very much Man United annuals, Man United posters? Is that the kind of things you used to get for? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and then my auntie used to get me the same Man United football every year. But <laughs> honestly, but it was like, that was the present I was looking forward to the most, <laughs> even though I knew it was coming. Um, but yeah, it was it was um, a period just to, for all my family to, to come together, really. Um, like my family's like dotted around Manchester, so we're all from different parts of of Manchester. Um, so when we can all get together, it's always it's loud and it, but it's it's good um, because you know we we don't get to see each other all the time. So yeah, birthdays and, and Christmases it was always like that. I always used to ask for a tour of Old Trafford, Did and I still never had. No, I lived at the wrong end of the country, and I've still <laughs> never had one. Um, You've missed out there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Was your first game at Old Trafford that you went as a fan? Am I right in thinking it was when we played Real Madrid yeah. and it was 4-3? Yeah. That must have been an incredible game to go to. Did you so, applaud Ronaldo off? Yeah, I probably did. Ronaldo was one of my favourite players like growing up. Yeah. Um, like someone who I used to always watch on YouTube and stuff like that. But I, literally the only reason my brother took me to the game was because he was playing. I don't actually remember the game, like watching the game. I just remember just like the lights and just Old Trafford is just huge and there's loads of people and there was so many goals in the game like it was just it was hectic um, but yeah that was my that was my first game and then just from there I, I already had a bond with United just because of my household like it was just Man United and after going to Old Trafford like that was it there was that was the only club that I wanted to like I dreamed of, of playing for How old were you then sorry? It was about what, what year was that in? 2003? 2003, 2004? Yeah, so yeah. six, six or seven. Six. Yeah, six or seven. But I, I used to just love the, the whole build up to games, like getting buses and then the, the train, you know, loads of fans there. Like the whole, it wasn't just the game for me, it was just the build up and like the club being a family and that's what drew me to United initially. And then once I got involved with, with the club, like from then on it was, it was a no bit like we just, we, we fitted together and, like I trained at other clubs before that and it just weren't the same the same feeling like of course I enjoyed playing football but it wasn't it wasn't the same as when I was training at United so it was quite an, an easy decision. Talking about uh, the build-up on match days when you're a child do you still feel the same way now do you still have that anticipation when you wake up in the morning what's your sort of daily routine before say an afternoon three o'clock game? Yeah I have the same thing but I have to find a way to control it otherwise I just get loads of red cards um, <laughs> no seriously because it's just it gets too emotional sometimes and I think at the beginning of my career um, like the coaches will tell you there's times when against Liverpool and City they've had to just take me off the pitch they've had to substitute me because I let my emotions I used to let my emotions get the better of me and um, do things that I didn't like wasn't in my character um, but I have to find a way to control it. And I think coming with the first team at a young agency and like I said, how professional the players were, they showed me like you have to put things aside and, and go on the pitch and be professional. So like now that's that's just what I do. I just do things that make me relaxed and um yeah, just to, to just to settle myself down and then I feel like I'm ready to, to play the game. Is Burnley your only red card? Yeah, Burnley. Yeah. I still don't. Up? I don't know how it was a red card. No, because he he kicked me. I spoke to yeah. him after the game. Um, but yeah, he kicked me, and it's like the ref just turned a blind eye that we had because I I went to cross it and he blocked mm -hmm. the cross. Good tackle. Um, so we had a corner, 
and then he kicked me. So we ended up going head to head. I didn't headbutt him. I didn't do anything like we was just both head to head, and then just I got sent off and and he didn't. So it's you know something that I just after it I just moved on from it because I still don't think it's right and I probably never think it's right. But you know it is it is what what it is. What was that chat like? Was that a friendly like? Hey Phil, so I've just got a red card. What happened there? Was he was it more of a? Nah, heated I have a, I have a lot of respect for him. Like yeah. he's someone who. Like has been through through the system and um you know he's just a strong per he was just a, a clash of two people that have strong personalities um so yeah it was it was it was fine to to mm -hmm. speak to him after and you know it wasn't any it wasn't no hard feelings or anything like that it was just something that happened in in the heat of the moment one thing uh we should talk about is of course you've got the trophies that you won on the football pitch we will definitely get to and also, you were lucky enough to wear... Uh, did Ronaldo select you to wear a pair of his boots? Yeah. Which must have been really incredible for you as someone who was a fan of his. But also this year, you were the youngest recipient of the, uh, the doctorate from the University of Manchester. Yeah. And of course, you got your MBE. What were those moments like for you? It's, it's difficult like, because like, I can speak about things... Like that I've done on the pitch because mm -hmm. it's something that I dreamed of doing from a kid. Yeah. Like as a kid, I didn't even know what an MBE was. Mm -hmm. Like, um, it was something that was just so far out in the distance. Like it's not even a dream. Like, so now that it's happened, it's um, like people ask me how I feel and stuff, and it's a tough question to to answer. Um, but for me, it's just I was just doing what I thought was right, and I would have I would continue to do that whether I have the MBE and mm -hmm. other doctorate anyway so it's it's something that's it's a good thing I'm proud and um it's more good for people that are in like kids that are in similar situations to what I was in mm -hmm. that know me they can see like what I've managed to achieve um sort of on and off on and off the pitch and it it can show them that they can do it as well um that's probably the biggest thing that I that I get out of it I think and a lot of people that listen to this podcast, I mean, we, we have people that listen in like Guatemala and Vietnam and, and they won't know about a lot of the stuff you're doing off the pitch because it doesn't affect where they live and yeah. their focus is football. And, you know, that's what this podcast is for. But we do talk about people's lives because we want to get to know a bit more than just the the face that you see on like a TV screen. Yeah. Um, and two things that seem genuinely remarkable is that you managed to force a government U-turn twice. <laughs> it, I mean... The second time must have felt like when they when they pledged four hundred million must have felt like, well, I, I guess I mean I don't know how that could have felt like, but it must have been special. I I feel like the the had things in place mm -hmm. and I like I just I was the voice of people that didn't agree with it, um, and then I just basically just said it, mm -hmm. um, and then they opened their eyes and and they seen that maybe he's he's got a point and. And then that's where the change comes from. So I'm not like against government or anything. I said this at the beginning mm -hmm. of everything, like it's nothing to do with politics or me against the government. It's just like if they if they seen the things that I've seen in like mm -hmm. in my community or in communities around around the country, there's no way they'd make the decisions that they make. So I just give them an insight of of what it's like and that was that's my main reason for like writing a letter for the f for the first U-turn. That's why I wrote the letter because that was the only way for them to see what it's really like. And 
I believe that once they understood it, they would they would change their decision, and and they did. So it's just sometimes a lack of understanding between the people that are in a position to make the decisions and the people that the decisions are affecting. Like there, there needs to be a bridge between that, and yeah, I've just managed to to be that bridge. Can you can you believe the amount of support you've got from it? No, it, it, we, it, like I was going to do it for it was meant to be for Manchester. Yeah, and then it just like escalated like so quickly, and you know before I knew it, it was it was the the country, and then like not long after that, I've got people from like people that I've met through football and through sports from other countries that want to do the same mm-hmm. in in other countries. So then it becomes like. A global. a global thing and I'm still sort of in the process of 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 you know giving that information to, to other people so that they can start to do the same thing did you actually ring Boris yeah yeah we spoke on the on the phone how did that conversation go just like Bob um, Geldof a few years ago give us all your money <laughs> no it was just I just wanted him to understand basically it's not like I'm not trying to discredit do you, do you, do you think because he's down in London and he is a politician he is a he doesn't see in a city, you know, heartache and yeah, problems. It's, it's impossible for him to yeah. to see it, isn't it? But like, do you think if he, you know, if he actually came out, come up to Manchester and you're showing, showing in the ropes, that's see what what's I said going to on? Him. I said if 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 it makes you more comfortable and like you want to see it for yourself, there's I've, I don't have a problem with we can drive around. Yeah, yeah. Like, and his answer was, like that's that. This was. Um, after the letter, mm-hmm. we had we spoke, yeah. so he'd already managed to like understand me a bit more through the letter. But if the letter didn't work, that was that, that was, was next the next thing to do. And then you know it didn't have to get to that. But for me, that it, once once they do that, they're going to understand everyone a lot more. And in order to help people, which is is what's what's meant to be the right thing to do, um, that's that's going to have to happen at some stage anyway. But um, I so feel he's like going to come up to Willenshaw with you. <laughs> I don't know, maybe not with Willenshaw, <laughs> but I feel yeah, like sure they'd be welcome, aren't they? They've took, they've took steps. You might not leave Willenshaw, right? <laughs> they've took, um, we've took a lot of steps in in the yeah. right direction. So I, f- I feel like kids are having more of a chance now, more of a say, and that's it. We need to. But it's not just to do it for this year, is it? Or next year? It's to continue it. No, we might not get the best out of it for the next yeah. like ten years, like. It might not be kids now that we affect. It might be the next generation mm-hmm. of kids, but no matter who it affects, like it's important that it gets done. Otherwise, it will just carry on. And like for me, growing up, I, I said this to people that like, I feel like I started my journey. Like, imagine it was like a race, a hundred meter sprint. I was like twenty meters behind the, yeah. the starting position, and like I see it so many times. And now that I'm in a position to change it, I couldn't just not do anything about it because. Um, a lot of kids from communities they don't they don't get to where they could have got to because they're starting yeah. a million miles behind everyone else. So it's they're not having a fair a fair chance. Mm. Can I also just ask you, Marcus, how special it is to do all of this with your family and in particular p- particularly your mum? Yeah, it's um like that's all, all the praise that I get, it's it's like for her. Yeah. Because She's the one that brought me up with the morals that I have, and like the person I am today, I, I've I've not changed from from who I was when I was eleven, twelve years old, and that's that's down to to her and you know sort of the people that was in in my household. Um, but people underestimate how 
strong of a person she is. Like, you know, she's a single parent with five five kids, and my two sisters had two uh, a baby each. So, like, there's sometimes nine of us in a household, and she's working eight till eight o'clock sometimes. Mm. And then she's got to cook when she gets home. And then she's got to get me ready for school the next day. And then she's got to find money for my brother that was in university that she didn't have. Um, so then she's in debt. And there's, there's just so many like yeah. pressures that people don't know and, and never would know. But I just have so much like respect for her as a person. Like even if she wasn't like my mum and she'd done the things that she'd done for me, I just have so much respect for her as a as a person. And like all the praise that I get, she knows that it's without her, I, I, yeah. it wouldn't. I wouldn't be the person I am. So, yeah. Obviously, you're both very close, and she gives you a lot of advice on the off the pitch stuff. Does she give you advice on the pitch too, your mum? Yeah, probably the <laughs> the best advice. Like, <laughs> really? Yeah, even though she doesn't, she doesn't really know much about football, but she knows me. So mm. if I'm on the pitch and I'm, I'm not happy or like my body language isn't isn't right, like she picks up on it straight away. And she'll never got you. Yeah, she'll bring me after the game, like, what, what's up? Because she think, she'll think that it's something, like, yeah. off the pitch that I've took onto the pitch, but it never is because no. I'm good at keeping things separate. Like, if I'm if my body language is like that on the pitch, it's usually because, like, something just happened on the pitch and I'm yeah. just mad at that that particular moment. Um, but like I said, she knows when... Cause I'm Does very, she come watching you? Yeah, yeah, she watches the games. Um, like, she brings my nephew and stuff because he's... He, he loves football as well so um, like she she enjoys like going she just doesn't know football yeah. but she she loves like going to the games and um, sort of the atmosphere and stuff like that she's she's all for all that <laughs> I said that we would talk about trophies so I'm going to do it which was the most special for you? Uh, probably the FA Cup mm-hmm. um, just the fact that it was it was the first one um, and then like obviously with Waza being captain at the time, him lifting the trophy, it was like something that I dreamed of of being being around since I was a kid. And yeah, it was just a, a perfect day. Plus Jesse scored the goal as well and everything just, just fit right. And yeah, that was just a, a special, a special day. Hat trick very recently. What yeah. did that feel like? Um yeah, that was a a, a nice feeling. Um but it's 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 difficult because it doesn't stand for anything like Yeah. Because we've been knocked out. I spoke about this before. Um, then we got knocked out in the semi-final. In the Europa League? Or the league? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Severe. Yeah. Severe. Like anything that's happened leading up to that game, mm-hmm. if you lose that game, it doesn't mean, it yeah. doesn't stand for anything. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we, we want to win the trophy and that's what all the players wanted to do. So whether you've scored one goal, five goals, 10 goals leading up to that game, if you lose that game, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you might give me the same answer for this then which is your favourite goal of your career probably away at Etihad mm-hmm. yeah that was that was probably my favourite goal my favourite goal that I didn't score since I've been in the first team was mm-hmm. Anthony Martial uh, against uh, Everton in the semi-final yeah that was great um, that was it felt like like all of us it felt like we scored the goal mm-hmm. and you can just see in the celebrations like it was a it was an unbelievable game, um, but we played so well in the game. It was yeah. unbelievable that he needed the late goals for us to to win the game. But then the fact that he scored it late it made it even better. Um, but yeah, that was that. That's been my favorite, my favorite game. Yeah, as a fan, those Fergie time goals are the favorites. <laughs> but as a player, yeah. it must be even more so when you're on the pitch as well. Yeah. you know more than anyone. Oh, any goal late on. I mean, even going back the other day, 
um, 2-0 down and you win 3-2 in Southampton. Mm. Mm. I'm absolutely bouncing around the room. I'm buzzing for, for, the, for the lads because you know exactly what it's like. Yeah. What for you then, Marcus? Talking of goals, what is the next goal for you? What's the aims for you going forward off and on the pitch? I, I believe that the team that we've got now is capable of winning big trophies and you know the the, f- the fact that we've been knocked out of the Champions League obviously hurts but like I said before earlier on um, it's in the pack we can't change it now it's it's happened and the only way to to respond from that is by winning the next game which is is why and the fact that it was a derby made it even more to, to me and, and to, to the players to the manager like it was it was a game that we we wanted to win you know more than anything and do you know what? We've beat City a few times the last few years, yeah. but we've not played as well as we played like mm-hmm. uh, the other day. And they they showed a lot of respect to us on the pitch, which is why it ended up like a game of chess. And mm. it was... Um, it, it, you come off the pitch with a weird feeling like it's you're annoyed because you've not won the game. But then you've played better than the times and you have won the game. And it, as a player, it puts you in a position like you've improved, but you've not won. Like, what would you prefer? And just because I'm a bit stubborn, like Derby days, I just prefer to just win at all costs. And that's why it's good to have the the, the sort of day to reflect um, and sort of just clear your head. Because if you don't, it can drag on to the next game and the game after that. So it's um, we're in a position where... Like I feel like we're close, but we're not quite there, and we just need to to make that final push to be a team that can can win trophies and and fight for everything. And um, because you see us again in the big games, we, we go toe to toe with with any team, and um, we we know that we can do it. Like we have confidence mm-hmm. on the pitch that we can beat, like whether it's Liverpool, City, PSG, like big against the big teams. We show that we can go head to head against them and give them a game. And um, the players know that, the, the manager knows that. And then we're like so close to that bit where you're just winning trophies. But for me, the, the sooner we get to that bit, the, the better. And, you know, there's nothing bigger than, than winning the, the Premier League or, or the Champions League. And, you know, that's, that's, what, that's what the dream is. I think we talk about big game players, but like you're the epitome of one. But you're, the team scored most against is Chelsea. And then after that is City. <laughs> yeah, um... I don't know what it is. It just like it's not like I'm more up for them games mm-hmm. than the other games. It's it just it just happens and it's been like that like from the beginning. Like even in the academy, I always used to score against like the derbies and um, Everton's academy was good at the time. I used to always score against them, and it was just something that that has has just developed and and happened. And the fact that it's not changed is is good for me and um you know in in the big games I feel like the the big characters and, and big players the it's important to to step up and show that you, you know you, you're ready to no matter who you play against you're you're gonna put yourself out there to, to fight um and you know that's just that's just what I do and I, I hate missing games I hate being injured and it's um something that amongst the team like people know that about me and they know that when I'm on the pitch, I'm gonna I'm gonna give everything I can to to try and win the game. What would you sell for this year? Premier um, League. Yeah, I think definitely we can we can. Make I, th- a- I think they, just touching on earlier on. I think you're so close to getting it. Yeah. I think if you just get that consistency now, 
That's that's all it is. And the thing because everybody's that, beating everyone else, aren't they? Yeah, the the league's wide open. Yeah, like four games ago in the league, everyone was saying United are finished. Yeah, right. And then you win three games on the spin, and then now we're fourth or fifth or whatever it is. Yeah. Two like, points behind with a game yeah, and oh, like, four points game and it's, we have to find a way to block everything out and just concentrate on what matters, which is, you know, the team and, and how we perform and, and results. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's like it's it's easier for me to speak about because United have always brought you up that way. Like whatever, yeah. everyone's always going to speak about United because it's the biggest club in the world and that's what's always on people's people's lips. And yeah. whatever you do, you, you're never going to change that. If we lose 10 games in a row, people are still going to be speaking about United. If we win 10 games in a row, people are going to be speaking about United. So... We can't affect that and we have to find a way to just ignore everything that's mm-hmm. going on and just, you know, concentrate on the things that matters, which is taking one game at a time and picking up points. And you have to we have to go back to spells where it's worked and um, where we've won, you know, ten or eleven league yeah. games. What did we do throughout that time? Like how did we win that many games in a row? And we just do it again. Because I, I believe that this year, the team that does that is the team that's going to go on and win the league. So it's, it's you know, it's, it's up to us. It's to, in your hands. Yeah, yeah, basically. And we have to show that, you know, we're, we're ready to step up and, and be that team that's going to be fighting for for the title. Um, and I believe that we are. Like, like we've said, we're, we're so close from, from being the team that we all want to be. But don't matter if you're that close or a million miles away if you're not there you're not there and we need to show that we are there and the only way to do that is to do it on the pitch mm-hmm. that's where we can that's where we can speak on the pitch and yeah we we have to do it and you know hopefully this year it can it can happen um, but for me we take it one game at a time and it's just about winning that's yeah. what that's what Man United have, have always done they've always won so that's what's that's what's in our in our minds Marcus, thank you so much for coming on our podcast for the second time. Um, I just want to ask you before you do go, I can't remember whether we asked you last time for a recommendation for a teammate. It could be an ex-teammate, somebody who's no longer at United, who would be a good guest for us to interview on the podcast. Oh, a good guest for a podcast. Um, Maybe somebody that you played with in the academy. That Yeah, I'd, I'd have another academy lad because they're intake and their experiences will be different to mine so it'll definitely be a good conversation maybe scotty or someone mm. would be would be quite good and it there's there's things that like i've been with scotty from young and mm-hmm. there's probably things that i still don't know about him so it'll be a good conversation for you to have so mm. yeah probably probably scotty there we go sure. perfect thank, <laughs> Marcus, you. thank you so much no problem thank you, thank you. Can you open Scott then, please? <laughs> <laughs> I'll ask him now, but he'll probably say no. <laughs> so, Scott McTominay, I think Marcus is going to ask him now. Yeah, that because he's, he left he's the room showing at him there, he because he was out in the, in the reception. <laughs> yes. So, uh, Tasca followed outside to listen as uh, Marcus was shouting at Scott and recorded their conversation. So... I haven't heard this. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so we're going to find out how that conversation know. went. Is Scott McTominay coming on the podcast? She goes, who would you recommend to me? Not me. Oh, I'm sorry. So you're next week, Scott. Say yes, Scott. It's apparently said no, but I didn't hear it in all of that. Very, very 
good podcast. I really, really enjoyed that one. And Marcus yeah. speaks so, so well, doesn't he? Yeah, I said it before we sat down with him that I think is really impressive. And it, like, it's mad to think he's only 23 years old. And mm. not only is he achieving so much on the football pitch, but he's also doing so much good with his mm. profile and with his life. It's amazing. And people, like Maisie said at the beginning, he makes that time and he does. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, it is. It deserves everything he gets. Mm-hmm. And as you say, Sam, 23-year-old, you know, to go head-to-head with the politicians and the government yeah. and to turn them around, that's yeah. brilliant. You can tell it's, it's from his upbringing, isn't it? Because he was saying, like, that's what he would do. He would just go out and talk to people and see how people were and just want to help. Yeah. Mm. And, that, and just the fact that, you know, he could be in Manchester and he'll just go and talk to a homeless guy mm. and just chat about it. It's yeah. Because he, he is just a, a phenomenal person, to be fair. He really is. Wasn't it really touching when he said about how he couldn't get to United Training some nights and he would sit at home and cry? Cry. But when his yeah. mum came home early once, she actually caught him crying. But the club, he said, has stepped in and helped him out. And I thought that bit was really nice when he talked mm-hmm. about the coaches and the the people at the club who've worked here who've brought him through. Yeah. You know, those people who are looking after the kids they in are, the younger academy. They are the, the unsung Exactly, and of, they don't very often get recognition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really nice, you don't realise what those, well, you certainly you don't know the background of what the, the young players are. coming through, yeah. but also the fact that, you know, like today, Bushall and Paul McGuinness. Paul McGuinness. Paul he mentioned. You know, they, they do become father figures of, mm-hmm. of the young kids, and it's, it's absolutely, it's amazing the jobs they do. And how amazing for them. Without them, would Marcus see, be here? Yeah, see people like Marcus and what he's, absolutely. he's doing on and off. It's also one of those things that as a fan you listen to and you realise that players like Marcus Rashford appear and you're like, oh, this guy's come from absolutely nowhere. And it's like a new signing, but it's, he hasn't come from nowhere. He's, there's been years of hard work from yeah. loads of members of staff, from yeah. coaches mm-hmm. and physios and people in the canteen and the people who drove him and, you know, his family. And, and that, that goes to every player, doesn't it? Yeah. No, one, no one has like that. That. Yeah, on paper it looks like yeah. a straightforward journey, but yeah. there's so much more to imagine, it. Imagine any of us 11? leaving home at 11. Yeah, crazy. I didn't actually realise he was that young when he no. went to take it's so young. That is a massive sacrifice to leave your house <sighs> yeah. at 11. Especially, yeah. And he said his brothers were talking him into it. They're obviously, yeah. they're, they're Especially such a close family. Especially when you're the baby too, because yeah. you're Yeah, you want your older brothers to look you? after you. Um, Brilliant. Christmas is coming up very soon, guys. Mm-hmm. Marcus talked about how he always got a Manchester United football. Yeah, good Sam, gift. I yeah. bet that was on your gift list when you were a child. Yeah, uh, everything. Pyjamas, shirt, calendar, poster. Maisie, what do you want for Christmas? Another beer machine? What, what do I want for Christmas? Yeah. I want um, Golf health club and, courses to health be open and around happiness. Manchester. Yeah, health and <laughs> happiness. Everybody had a great, great Christmas because this year has been absolutely horrible. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. What about you, Sam? What do you want for Christmas? Nothing, really. No, I'm pretty chilled. Either. Yeah, just everyone be nice and that. I've got one. Go on. Yeah. Not interested. Tasker once. Roy Keane on the podcast. Oh. And Helen saw him again. <laughs> I drove past him today. Right, where was he? Just driving along the road. I was driving one way, he was driving the other. What did he drive? A def- navy blue defender. Right, so if you see that and you see Roy Keane, ask him. Get him on the podcast. Shout! He, as far as it's I can be tell, really awkward if it wasn't him, but I'm ninety five percent sure. But I think he's a pretty calm guy. So if you see Roy Keane, shout at him. Tell him you need him on the podcast. We're going to get closer. We're, we're narrowing it down. He's in Helen's world somewhere. He's got a blue car. <laughs> Helen's in her own world. <laughs> True story. If anyone can get in that world, God help him. <laughs> uh, guys, yeah. Let's do some emails. Yep. 
Chris Gomez. Hello, my name is Chris. I'm from California. I love the podcast. I'm a huge United fan. My first tattoo was the Manchester United crest on my right shoulder and almost 10 years later, I still love it to this day. My favourite podcasts so far have definitely been Jasper Blomfist and Patrice Evers. They were entertaining and great to see two Champions League winners from two of United's most dominant eras. As a Mexican-American, it would be great to get Javier Hernandez on the podcast Mm. since he was one of my favourite players and to hear how he coped with going from Mexico to England. That is one I'd also love to get. Yeah, that would be amazing, mm-hmm. wouldn't it? Uh, one from Nigel kind of says, right, brilliant nice. podcast. First time I have listened to a podcast. I used to stand on the Stratford end and remember Robbo singing, nope, signing on the pitch before the Wolves game. I was a decent amateur player, captain of Cheshire and played U-M-I-S-T in the yes. Lancashire League that Robbo spoke of. We played at the cliff against the A-team. I never had the pleasure of playing against Robbo, but played against Viv Anderson, Paul McGrath, Mark Robbins, etc. Fraser Digby broke my leg there accidentally one year. Accidentally? Yeah. Do you believe that? Probably. Yeah, probably. Uh, United would always thrash us, but loved every second of the Cliff experience. Robbo was my absolute hero, a footballing god. He carried United in England for a decade. We built a family business, so we are fortunate to have exec tickets now, and I occasionally see Robbo at the match. What a gent and a true legend. Maisie never showed up for golf last summer. We were excited to play golf with him and would have won. Always give him grief when he does the radio commentary. Oh, since our seats are next to the commentator. So Maisie... If you get someone shouting at you, it's big noise. To be fair, Maisie uh, said sorry and hello to my 15-year-old when he had broken his leg. Top character. Keep up the great work. Uh, you legends. We fans are loving it. Nigel, thank you very much. Please keep shouting at David May. It's not you, yeah, okay. M-I-S-T. It's actually you missed. Okay, but did missed you what? not show up for this golf? Yeah, that's not well, like you. You love not. golf. Why would you? I cannot imagine a world where David May does not turn up <laughs> for a game of golf. I have no idea. There must be a really, really good excuse. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rahul Purohit. Hello, guys. One of the best ways in lockdown to sit down and listen stories from legends and current players. I always wait for new episodes day in, day out. Really good work from Helen, Sam and David. May, who also understands how the players' life were slash are. Patrice Ever was the best episode I've listened to. Waiting for CR7, SAF, RF, Rio, GN, DDG. The list doesn't end does it love from India thank you Rahul <laughs> you sounded like a broken robot <laughs> just like states just shouting letters and numbers like you like that's Helen's password if anyone wants it <laughs> <laughs> thank, Rahul, you, thank you very much for your email um, guys thank you so much as always for listening we hope you enjoyed our Marcus Rashford podcast and um, thought it was as great as we did have an absolutely wonderful Christmas or whatever you're doing to celebrate look after yourselves yes. uh, if you want to get in touch with us you can it's um United Podcast at mayunited.co.uk. That address is in the show notes. Is it co.uk.com? Yeah, that's what I thought it was. It's in the show notes. Uh, make sure you're subscribed and like and give us a review. If you, uh, if you give us a review, take a screenshot of it and tweet that to David May. He'll send you a signed golf club. Thanks again. And Merry we'll see you Christmas. next time. Do you want to sing a song for us? Do you want to end on a song, Maisie? No. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Have a top day, Christmas day, and all those that... Uh, uh, working, I wish you all the very best. Have you had ho, ho, ho? Oh, go on, Maisie, do a ho, 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 please. Go on. It'll make everyone's Christmas. It's been a tough year. I think a ho, ho, ho from you would really would really lift spirits. Come on. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, put, put, put something ho, into ho, it. Ho, ho, ho. There we oh, go. Yes. We'll see you next time. Ho, ho, ho.